0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg I'll be honest with you. I thought about, not real hard, but I did think about just saying, I'm going to let the Father preach to you, because that's so much better than angels or a mere human being, and my words are just enough, whatever I can't, can say this morning, my words are not enough to, to deepen your understanding of what happened here, than having the Father just tell you that this is my Son whom I love, and with Him I'm well pleased. But I'm going to, with the poor words that I have, I'm going to do my best Um, right after we read this gospel lesson. So I'm going to ask you to please stand as we read our gospel lesson for the baptism of our Lord from Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. we consider the baptism of our Lord and our own baptism we will begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There there used to be a time and some of you are going to remember this there used to be a time when Kwanzaa was actually a thing. It was back in the 1980's and 1990's. So you're going to have to date yourself just a little bit if you remember this. But there was a time when you could actually walk into Walgreens and you could walk into Dwayne Reed or you could w- walk into Dwayne Reed by Walgreens. Those exist now too. And you could find a greeting card that chirped, Happy Kwanzaa. Remember this? There, there was actually a time when you could sit down, you could watch the NFL playoffs, and then you'd see... Um, Kwanzaa-themed commercials by companies like GM and AT&T and McDonald's. And, and there was actually a time in our country when there was actually competition during the holiday season with Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad, and, and Teddy Pedergrast would actually sing, Happy Kwanzaa. You remember that song? Great song. Happy Kwanzaa. And it was just this thing that was pushing out in, into our country, but that's obviously not the case anymore. NPR actually did a little report, I heard it, that only 2% of African-American families are celebrating it anymore. And, and you don't see the commercials and the greeting cards, or you don't hear this wonderful song by, by Teddy Pettigast, Either anymore. And, and there's lots of speculation. Well, what happened to Kwanzaa? And my own speculation says, well, it's in this, this awful time in between Christmas and New Year's, because that's when you're supposed to celebrate it from December 26th to December December 31st. And it's just sort of lost in the holiday season. And even, even Google, even Google says that. The searches for Kwanzaa are actually just dropping off precipitously since the 1990s. It's a little bit like that for the baptism of our Lord. The baptism of our Lord, it actually used to be a a thing. And on Epiphany, which many Christians celebrate, the lesson was what we have in front of us today from Matthew chapter 3 and Christians would flock to go to church. I mean, the churches would just absolutely fill up to celebrate the the baptism. In fact, during the Reformation, some of Martin Luther preached some of his most famous sermons on Matthew chapter three. but obviously that's not the case anymore i I sincerely doubt. And I hope I'm wrong, but I, I sincerely doubt that anyone got up this morning thinking, I, it's cold outside and it snowed last night, but I'm going to church because we're going to celebrate the baptism of our Lord. And you know what else? I don't think any of the parents this week said, I'm, you know, I got to teach my kids about the baptism of our Lord. This is just a really important event. I, I don't think that happened. Did your mom teach you about the baptism of our Lord? That's awesome. I'm wrong. You just wrecked my sermon. (laughs) We're here to celebrate the baptism of our Lord. No. Sometimes it's just not a thing, though, is it? And what happened? What What do you think happened somehow? The baptism of our Lord got quantified. It, it sort of just, in between Christmas and New Year's, people just sort of forgot about it. Why do you think that happened? Why, why do you think that the baptism of the Lord, all of a sudden, it's not a thing anymore? Do you think it's because we don't understand our need for it? Because John understood his need. Did you notice that in the lesson for today? It's actually quite a thing that happens in this story. Remember when Jesus and John, these cousins, met for the first time? It, it was, that was a miraculous event, too, where Jesus is coming to see John in utero. And as soon as Mary's voice hit the eardrums of the in utero John the Baptist, he jumped. And St. Luke says that he actually jumped for joy because his cousin Jesus was not only his cousin, but he was the Savior of the world. That was the first time that these two met in Scripture. What we have here today is the second time that they meet, and it goes totally differently. This time, Jesus comes up To John, and notice what happens. There is only questioning and desperate, desperate need. That's what John says. Listen to what he says. He says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? You know I've often thought about that. Why, why did John feel such need in Jesus' presence? Because he did. I, I mean, John, we've seen John in the last few weeks in Advent and in Christmas, and he's just this, this strong character, and he's not afraid to denounce sin against even the politicians of the day, he even gets thrown into jail for it. He, he lives this ascetic lifestyle. He's the greatest prophet of the Lord, we've said. But when he gets into Jesus' presence, he just falls apart. He just melts. And he says, I need to be baptized by you. And I've often, why is that? Is it because Jesus had this way that when you got into His presence, it was like He was looking into your soul? Or or do you think it's that Jesus, He was just so holy that it was emanating off of Him, and when a poor sinner got into His presence, you just recognized it? That you just couldn't be in his presence anymore. Why do you think it is? What what do you think made John say and just come apart in Jesus' presence when he says, I need to be baptized by you? Well, really, you know, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter why John the Baptist just comes apart and expresses his baptismal need. What really matters is is that you know your need in Jesus' presence. There was a, there's a time in my life when I was a little kid. And I would sit in chairs a lot like these in in my Lutheran church growing up. And my, I had this imagination, and I actually imagined that one day Jesus was going to show up at church. And, He would just walk up and down the aisles. And when I'd imagine that scene, I was actually terrified. I want you to know this about me when I was a little kid. I was a naughty little boy. (laughs) I I really was. There, There was this one time where my parents were singing in this big old choir, and my twin brother and I, we were goofing around. We were acting like little monkeys on the chairs at church. And it was so bad that nobody watched the choir that day. They just watched the two little twin boys monkeying around. And so this is what my parents did. They said, you have to sit on a chair. This, is what, this was our punishment. You have to sit on a chair and watch the clock for an hour. And I remember this. I, I remember that I'd get bored during the sermons that the pastor would give. Sorry, kids. And I would pinch my twin brother next to me. That's, that's I would pinch him. And so when I would imagine Jesus showing up, I would think he's going to know how naughty I am. And he's just going to look down into my soul and he would see this naughty little rebellious boy who has to sit on a chair after church. And I knew my need. Maybe you're like me. And maybe you're sort of kind of giving thanks that it was John who had to stand in Jesus' presence and not you. Because what if Jesus was here today and he walked, he walked into our presence and he just looked down into your soul? Would he like what he saw? Maybe that's why we don't celebrate the baptism of our Lord, huh? Maybe, maybe it's because it makes us uncomfortable. Because we have to face our baptismal need, like John did. Or, or do you think there's another reason? Do you, think, do you think maybe we don't celebrate the baptism of our Lord, and, and, and do you think it got quantified maybe because we missed the red-letter words in our Bible. Because, look, if you opened up your Bible, and maybe you have it along with you today, and and you just start, let's start right at the beginning of the New Testament, and you page along, what you're going to find is that you don't find Jesus speaking in the Bible with red-letter words until these words right here. This is the first time that Jesus ever speaks. And so we have to admit, these words are very significant. And here's what Jesus says. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So we have to say that every single one of these words is Significant, and you could preach a sermon just on one word here. But here's what we can say Jesus doesn't say, John, you're wrong. I need to be baptized. He doesn't say that at all. He actually says this He says, It is proper. So, Jesus is no sinner. He doesn't have to be obedient to baptism. He says, It is proper for me to do this. And then he goes on to say, Why? To fulfill all righteousness. Now, as good Lutherans, I hope your ears are perking up. This, here's this word, righteousness. Okay, we're going to talk about righteousness. Now, this is the first time that Jesus speaks, okay? And what does he speak about? Righteousness. And he adds a little adjective that I think is really important. He says, all righteousness. And this is, as far as I can tell, this is the only time in the Bible where we have all and righteousness right there together. So according to Jesus, we're just going to, according to Jesus, what is the baptism of Jesus all about? It is about coming to fulfill all not just a part of it, all righteousness. And this righteousness includes you. So we have to understand this. It's all righteousness. And I want you to think about what was happening that day before Jesus was baptized. Lots and lots of sinners were also being baptized. So the the tax collectors were going under the water and their sins of greed were being washed away. And then there was prostitutes there and their sins of sexual immorality were being washed away. And then there was the soldiers there and, and their sins of abuse of authority and power were being washed away in those waters. In fact, we could say that every single sin that you could commit is represented in those nasty, dirty waters. And so, we could could say that and compare it to an oil spill. Like, think of the worst oil spill that's ever happened in the history of Exxon. All right there in the waters of the Jordan, and then Jesus comes up and He says, it's proper that I get down into those waters filled with sins. And I get baptized in them too. So that one day, He would take all of those sins and then He would die for them. And then He would give to you all righteousness. And I mean all righteousness. That means no more striving. You can't be a better you in 2017. That means no more guilt. It means no more inadequacy in the presence of Jesus because he has come to fulfill all righteousness, even for naughty little boys. You think that's why the baptism of our Lord got quantified? Because we didn't understand that. That maybe we missed these red letter words. Do you think there's a different reason? Do you think maybe it's because we missed the fireworks that come right after the baptism of our Lord? you think that's it? Because there are fireworks there, aren't there? Did you see what, what Matthew begins to talk about? He he says that the heavens were opened. Now in the Old Testament, the prophets and the people, they, they prayed for this kind of stuff. It was in Isaiah chapter 24 that Isaiah just sort of wished. I don't think he actually thought it was going to happen. He wished it. He says, oh, that you would run the heavens. But then all of a sudden, God rended the heavens. And this is this is unprecedented that God He just rips open the dimensions so that you can see into God's holy throne room. I wish an artist would paint this scene. I mean, what did that look like? The sapphire throne room and the holiness of God, and it's just torn open so that we could all see it. This is an amazing moment. If, if this was the only firework that had gone off, if this was it, we would say, whoa, this is a big moment. But that's not it. The next thing that happened is that the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And now, a lot of people speculate, what does that mean? Why a dove? Could it be because after a deluge of water happened in the Old Testament, and sin was wiped out, that Noah sent out a dove to proclaim Peace? And could it be that again in the New Testament, after a deluge of water and sin being drowned in it, that God again comes down in the form of a dove to proclaim peace to his people? If there had been only those two fireworks, that would have been amazing. But there's a third one. God preaches. And this too is unprecedented. Usually he'd say, tell the angels, you go and preach. Or he'd tell them you're immortal like me and say, you go and preach. But not this time. Not this time. This time God gets up on his pulpit and he says, this is my son whom I love. This is an unprecedented, longest, and best firework show in the entire Bible. It actually makes me wonder this. It makes me wonder this. Why didn't they put this event into the creed? Have you thought about this? Why Why didn't we say, born of the Virgin Mary, baptized by John, suffered under Pontius Pilate? I can't explain that, but what I can say is this. This is a huge moment according to God. Do you think it's because we didn't understand how huge of a moment it is that maybe we don't celebrate it like we should? I'm guessing and I'm actually hoping that You've come to a couple of conclusions by this point. I'm hoping and, and guessing that maybe when you go home, you're going to at least go on Wikipedia and find out more about Kwanzaa. You know what it is. But I think also that when you go home, you're going to say to yourself, you know, um, next year I'm going to be like Noah and Bridget. <laughs> and I'm going to celebrate the baptism of our Lord, and I'm going to teach my kids about this event. But what convinced you to do that? What convinced you? Was it it your baptismal need in the presence of Jesus and the fact that you recognized your own sin and your own death? Or or was it the fact that here we have red-letter words that, that proclaim to us all righteousness, and it's a righteousness received. Or, or was it the fact that God preached? Or the fact that the Spirit came down in the form of a dove proclaiming peace? Or was it the fact that, that here the heavens were torn open? Or maybe it doesn't really matter, does it? Maybe it just matters that we're celebrating it here today. Happy epiphany to you. And happy baptism, our Lord. (laughs) Amen.